is how all the files fall apart. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. It's a double bill today. We're going deep into recent stories of unidentified flying objects and chess. The Pentagon has gotten big into investigating what it calls unidentified aerial phenomenon, and a chess champion has been accused of cheating, but the exact phenomenon he's accused of remains unidentified. With me today to walk through all of this is Motherboard's lovely editor-in-chief, Jason Kebler. Jason, how are you today? I'm good now that I heard that little uh, play on words you did. Very good. Very smart. You, thank you. It's uh, it's better said than it is written, I think. Um, let's talk it's, about... Uh, it's chaos around here, by the way. Chaos on your end, chaos on my end. Yeah, we've both uh, got people got, outside of our homes doing construction, right? <laughs> hammering, digging. Uh, I think that we're going to be okay, but uh, I have my dog back there. Uh, for those of you on Twitch, that's... Uh, M-A-N-G-O. I can't say his name or he will uh, wake up. But uh, yeah, lot, lots could go wrong here. Yeah. Watch and uh, watch and find out. Gus the cat, I can't quite get the camera over there, but Gus the cat is sleeping soundly for now over on another computer desk. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how well this all goes. Last uh, night, uh, last night, my dog got into a very long shouting match with a possum in the backyard, like a he saw the possum on the fence. We have like a little patio area and it's uh, it was just very bad. It was like a one and a half hour ordeal in that he just like wouldn't calm back down and it was like one in the morning. So he's yeah. tired. Yeah, that's what well, I'm saying. Luckily, when the cat out sees a possum out here, it's usually raccoons and not possums. He just they, he makes like bird call noises because he doesn't know what to do and it's not very loud. So it's it's not that bad. Um, speaking of weird yeah. things you see in the night, UFOs, was that good? Was that yeah. a good segue? Did you like that? That was good. Thank that's, you. I set you up like that. That's, that's why I did that. Perfect. I told the possum story. Um, all right. So there's been just, I was away for a week. Uh, I'm back. Y'all wrote a bunch of UFO stories while I was gone. This is something that we've been talking about for a while. Um, can you give us like the Cliff's Notes version kind of when this started, what's going on? Why are UFOs in the news all of a sudden again the past few years? And why are we not calling them UFOs? So we've done this podcast before, as in we've explained sort of like UFOs are back. And we've really started to take UFOs seriously as a beat at Motherboard uh, for a while because, one, uh, the Pentagon says the Pentagon has become very interested in UFOs, which they are now calling unidentified aerial phenomena, which are UAPs. Same thing, really. Just uh, just different nomenclature. Um, and I guess because we're not sure what they are, so they're not necessarily objects, they're phenomena. Um, anyways, a few years ago, New York Times had an article uh, about this program called Advanced Aerial Threat Intelligence Program, AA TIP. Uh, and this guy, Luis Elizondo, leaked several uh, videos to the New York Times via Blink-182 singer Tom DeLonge, uh, of course. Uh, everyone knows this at this point. <laughs> and uh, those went viral. And basically, it was like, you know, Harry Reid had this weird black slush fund uh, that was going into the researching of UFOs. 
it was found, it was funded in part, or it was it was pushed for by Robert Bigelow, who is this aerospace dude who also for a while owned Skinwalker Ranch, which is this uh, hotbed of paranormal activity in the desert. Uh, he has since sold that. Robert Bigelow is very interested in making space hotels for a while. So there's just like kind of a lot of like little backstory there. Anyways, um, over the last few years, we've been covering it because for a while, everyone was like, well, UFOs aren't real. Aliens aren't real. You're crazy. And Motherboard tries to sort of like fill in the blanks um, and take seriously things that were that other people may not. Uh, and so we've definitely been covering sort of like the culture of UFOs and sort of like what causes someone to look for it. And we're also a science blog. So we've done a lot about the hunt for alien life. Um, more often than not, this involves like chemical signatures and exoplanets and NASA research projects and astrophysics and things like that. Uh, the reason we are doing this podcast today is first of all because there was fucking crazy chess drama the other day and i wanted to talk about it it's but fascinating. It's, it's it happened about yeah. a, a few days ago so we wanted to to do a double dip uh and there's also been a lot of ufo news so uh should we just run through it should we should we do bullet point first or should we just get into it i think like i think the bullet point would be um all the stuff that you kind of just set up leads that's all the old stuff leads to, yeah and all of that leads to a fervor and the linking information happens last year where the pentagon finally comes out with this report that congress had been kind of pushing them and pushing them to like release something obviously there's like a, a top secret one and like a public one the public one i think is what it's like nine pages long um and it details more like 144 different uh ufo reports that the Pentagon is like, we can't necessarily figure out what's going on here. These are the ones that we can't explain away by like digital artifacting. Um, you know, there was a weather balloon or what have you. Uh, and they say I, at the bottom of the report, it's like, Congress, if you want us to get to the bottom of this, we need a lot more time. And more importantly, we're going to need some more money. So um, there's a lot of UFO heads or UAP heads, I guess you would say. Uh, in Congress, uh, including Marco Rubio and Mark Warner, uh, who are on the Senate Intelligence uh, Committee, and funds are appropriated for the Pentagon. And this then happens, uh, so the year after this report comes out, uh, they announce, of course, I've got all of my tabs here, so I can tell you exactly what the name is, and now I'm struggling the to pull up the one. Yes, thank you. Uh, they, here we go. Watch. This is very professional podcast done once again. Very well. Okay. The Pentagon <laughs> announces that they are opening an anomaly resolution, uh, all, all domain anomaly resolution office, all domain specifically because they are saying that these things are not just stuff that they're seeing in the sky, but they are trans medium objects, meaning that they can easily transition from sky to ground and even underwater. Um, they kind of taught, they kind of put this kind of Pentagon mad scientist type guy to be in charge of it, who works on all these like really wild French science stuff for the Pentagon has been doing it for years and has a long relationship with them. Um, so this happens in July and then 
Uh, around the same time, there is a, a Senate intelligence addendum report, which is just like one of the things that Congress does is it basically like appropriates money and, and sorts where money goes to different departments. And in the, uh, in the process of this, it generates a lot of paperwork. Budgets generate a lot of paperwork. So Mark Warner, who's like a, a Democratic close ally of Marco Rubio on the on the committee, writes this addendum uh, to the Senate Intelligence Report where they're kind of detailing what they want to be what they want done with you know all this money. And they talk. This is like the no, the notes section of a law, essentially. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's basically like, oh yeah, here's here's where we're like explaining what different terms mean and so on and so forth. And within that budget or within that thing, they they come up with the name for the AARO. They say. Like, all right, we gotta. We want you guys to, you know, kind of coordinate all of your efforts. And weirdly, they say, all right, when you figure out something is man-made, uh, because threats of this are increasing exponentially, we want you to focus. We, we want you to pass it off when you figure out that it's man-made. Focus on only the stuff that you can't explain, which is just it's very weird language to be in one of these reports. Uh, it's sort of like uh, it's splitting hairs in, in a way, but it's very interesting because it's like I covered drones for a really long time. And soon after the introduction of drones, like, you know, the Phantom and just all these sort of like hobby drones and commercial drones with cameras on them. There was this huge uptick in sightings of UFOs by airline pilots. And this was something that was tracked by the FAA. It's like, if a commercial airline pilot sees a UFO, they report it to their airline or, and then the airline reports it to the FAA. That's as I understand, that's how it works. Uh, and then you would read sort of like the description and it was like small white object had four rotors had camera on it. And it's like, okay, that's a phantom. That's like a DJI phantom. It's made by, a Chinese company. It's sold at Best Buy for $800 or whatever. And we know what that is. Like we can identify it, but it's still, it still went into like the UFO box, you know, because it's like UFO unidentified flying object. It's like the pilot couldn't identify it. So it is technically an unidentified flying object. What the Pentagon and Congress, what Congress is saying here is that, if it can be identified as being plausibly man-made, then take it out of the UFO category altogether, which, I mean, it sort of makes sense. Like, well, if you can definitely say that it's man-made, then it's not unidentified anymore. But, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff in those like FAA reports that are like, "Mm, this sounds like a drone, but we can't say for sure. Um, Yeah. I want to get the, I want to get the specific language here because I think it's important. So what they said is temporary non-attributed objects or those that are positively identified as man-made after analysis will be passed to appropriate offices and should not be considered under the definition as unidentified aerospace undersea phenomenon, right? Uh, And then kind of as a follow-up, a former DOD, Obama-era DOD official writes an op-ed in The Hill where he says, like, look, they use this specific language for a reason – uh, quote, it strains credulity to believe that lawmakers would include such extraordinary language in public le- legislation without compelling evidence, seeming to imply that someone, some, somewhere someone has suspicions that some of this stuff is perhaps not of human or earthly origin, right? Again, we don't know. 
but there's there's a lot of gaps, as you said earlier, and motherboards trying to fill those in. Um, in a, a weird yeah, place, and, I mean, find I, gaps. I think it's Sorry. interesting because it's like we we have read a lot of these, like you know. I've read a lot of laws, a lot of bills, a lot of bill text, a lot of analysis of this. And it's like, usually they're extraordinarily boring, like really, really boring. And normally when they define terms, they're defined as such, like, I don't know, you look for a quote to use in an article or something. And there's normally not like, if you can say that this is of man-made origin, like, I don't know, this is like, it's pretty strong language to be used in something like this. Yeah. It's All super that said, weird. It's like, I mean, it could just be. Marco Rubio and Mark Warner are the ones who sort of are behind this, I believe, seemingly. And it's like both of them are pretty interested in this topic. And so it could just be like a little pet pet project for them. It's like Harry Reid, I interviewed him before he died. And it's like he believed in aliens. Like he straight up was like, I think that aliens are real. I think it's very possible that they visited us. And it's like he, like if you're a senator at, at that um at that level, like both Mark Warner and Marco Rubio are pretty high level senators. They've both been on the Senate intelligence committee for a long time. It's like, you can get a lot of pet stuff done. Like you can just kind of get your personal interests tossed into different things. So uh, it might not be the case that there's like a uh, specific evidence here, but it, it is, it just indicates that there are lawmakers who are very interested in this topic. Um, uh, so September 9th, you write, this other piece, uh, just more little bits. Uh, the title of which is Navy says all UFO videos classified releasing them will harm national security. What, what is going on here? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I, I don't really deserve anything here as in this, uh, was me writing up some documents that were obtained by John Greenwald at, uh, the black vault, which is a gov- government transparency organization. That's done some really incredible work on, um, UFO documents and FOIA work, um, Freedom of Information Act work. Uh, but basically, he filed a Freedom of Information Act request ask, asking for all Navy videos that had been uh, classified as like, I use classified as not like top secret information, but as, that had been categorized as a UFO video. And the Navy was like, hell no, they're, they are all classified as in top secret or secret in some way, and we're not releasing them and doing so would be harmful. Um, This is very interesting because first of all, it's not a surprising response that they would be like, no, you can't have our UFO videos. Like that is not the surprising thing. The surprising thing is that they didn't issue a Glomar response, which is uh, Glomar was the name of a ship, a boat uh, that I believe is the CIA. Um, it's, it's basically where the uh, phrase we can neither confirm nor deny uh, that these records exist came from. Uh, someone filed information, a Freedom of Information Act request asking for documents relating to the Glomar ship. And the CIA was like, we can neither confirm nor deny that these records exist. And that is a pretty common response these days to Freedom of Information Act requests that have to do with national security. Often agencies, particularly like the NSA, the military, the CIA, um, things like that will be like, they'll give you a Glomar response and they'll be like, what UFOs? Like we can neither confirm nor deny that these exist. But in this case, the Navy was like, yes, we have more videos. There are more videos. 
uh, no, you cannot have them because releasing them would, uh, would jeopardize national security. And so that specific of a response, it's like they are giving out information that yes, there's more videos, which we did know was the case because there was a congressional hearing um, earlier this year that we wrote about where the Navy showed like small clips of videos that had been shot by uh, sailors on aircraft carriers and things like this. But it's interesting for them to just like give a response like this to a journalist. Uh, and that's really bad news for us because we're going to have to keep using the same goddamn photo uh, for all of our UFO things from the three videos that were released like years and years ago. It's from the Tic Tac video, right? That's the one we keep using over and over again, I think. Because it's kind of yeah, the most clear. It's the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in speaking of images, kind of throw like throwing a curveball into here is this image that went viral that turned out to be AI generated. What's what's going on? Uh, yeah, so there was a UFO sighting in Mexico uh, recently, like last week. Um, I'm blanking on what city it was in or what town it was in. But basically, there was like a UFO sighting in Mexico. It was this car mechanic guy who saw it, took a photo of it, and it went viral. It was written up in like the Daily Mail, like the Register, or, like a couple of um, kind of like big tabloidy type places. And the image itself is uh, is of like this shack. Uh, there's cloudy sky, and then sort of in the background, there's like a flying saucer, like a straight up, just like here's a flying saucer. Um, and people are like, "Oh, what is this?" And there was an interview with the guy who saw it. He was very adamant that he saw this UFO. And then, like a couple days later, someone on the Mid Journey Facebook group. Uh, which Midjourney is an AI image generation tool uh, similar to Dolly, which we've talked about a few times, and Stable Diffusion, which is another AI image generation tool, which has been in the news like constantly recently because all sorts of things keep happening. Matt wrote about a um, a guy in Colorado who won like a state fair art competition by using something that he generated using Midjourney. So these are very powerful tools. Anyways, someone on the Midjourney uh, Facebook page was like, I use Midjourney to create this. It's all fake. And then everyone was like, okay, that's crazy. We can't trust our eyes anymore. This is bad. But then because of the way that Midjourney works, uh, there's a Discord for it. And basically all of the photos are generated in this Discord. And to my knowledge, maybe there's a way to do the, these like, totally privately but to my knowledge there's sort of like a record of everything that's been generated and so they were able to find the original generation of this image uh and it was not what the person on facebook said it was it was basically like this was just a random guy claiming that this photo was a hoax when the photo itself might still be a hoax but it wasn't from this person and so uh, you kind of just have this like new, new thing where there's like hoaxes on top of hoaxes on top of a topic that is already, um, extremely prone to hoaxes as we know. And just like, it's really hard to take anyone seriously in this space at all. And so it gets kind of tricky and complicated and, uh, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting story. And now we have throwing more, more fuel onto the fire. We have this report out of Kiev, um, 
in Ukraine, these, these astronomers as an independent uh, venture uh, in the report that they issued about what they've seen in the sky. The, the, the headline is uh, astronomers look up in the sky in Kiev looking for UFOs, find a whole bunch of them, whole bunch of UFOs, issue a report. Um, it's from the National Academy of Science. They have two what they describe as like meteor telescopes. They have one in Kiev and then there's one about 120 uh, kilometers away. And they took this on as an independent venture saying because they were, they were kind of inspired by the milieu around UAPs and NASA and the Pentagon investigating this stuff. And they wanted to be a part of it. Um, it's kind of interesting what they've done. So they, they pointed these cameras up at the sky and took like timed pictures. They say all this stuff moves really fast. And so we've, we've kind of got this system where stuff's flying across the cameras and we're we're catching like time-lapse photography of it and all this stuff is moving very quickly and they kind of break everything up into uh, two different categories, phantoms and cosmics. It's this, it's, they, and they do some uh, after-image stuff and Adobe effects to like brighten things and make it more easily easy to see. Um, it's an interesting study that doesn't tell us a whole lot. Uh, I would say especially because Ukraine has been at war since 2014 – and when you're at war, there's a lot of stuff flying through the sky. I'm not saying this isn't interest, like this isn't extraterrestrial, but I just like need a little bit more information. You know, need a little bit uh, more. Yeah. So to be clear, some people have been mad about this article, and it's like, okay, man. Um, first <laughs> yes. of all, well, people people get upset about anytime we write about UFOs. It's kind of fascinating. Like more than anything else I write, people get very excised about UFOs online whenever we write about them. Right. On both on both sides, as in people who are in the UFO world get mad about it and people who are like UFOs are like bullshit and a waste of time and a waste of money and a, like, you know, a distraction or are not being reported on rigorously or whatever. Uh, I will, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I will just discuss this paper a little bit, which is just to say like why I find it to be interesting. First of all, it was published on archive, which is ARXIV, which is a preprint, uh, repository of scientific publications. Archive is not peer reviewed. Basically anyone can publish anything they want there. I mean, there's not anyone can publish anything they want, but more or less, like if you're relatively like associated with a university or science, like you can publish something there. Uh, it is used a lot in computer science and in AI because that space moves so fast that often people will just publish stuff there and then it will get like, you know, critiqued in public more or less versus the behind the scenes, like scientific journal, um, peer review process where something is peer reviewed by various scientists and then, and sort of like stress tested and then ultimately published. Um, that's just to say that like basically anything that's not peer reviewed, you must take with a gigantic grain of salt. That said, uh, the findings of this are not even interesting to me. Like, I think, I think that it's notable. Like it's, it's interesting that, you know, there's, I don't know. I can't say whether it's good science or not. It doesn't look like particularly good science to it, me. It, like it, straight it does, up, it, it does doesn't not. seem yeah. like good science. But that is not why we wrote about it, and that's not why it's interesting. And I don't think anyone's going to read this article and read 
this uh, paper and be like, wow, this is really cutting edge science. This is great. These people are going to identify UFOs and whatever, like aliens are real. And that's not the response that anyone has given us. But that, but people, the people who are mad are like, oh, this is not rigorous science and you're writing about it. And it's like, no shit, it's not rigorous science. First of all, it's being done in a war zone. If you didn't realize Kiev has been getting bombed or was getting bombed for much of this year, uh, Ukraine has been getting has been at war since 2014, as you said. Uh, you would expect a lot of things to be flying through the air. What is notable is that this is the National Academy of Sciences in Ukraine publishing a paper on UFOs saying that there's a bunch of UFOs during the war. So that raises the question of like, okay, why? Like, why, why did they publish this? It's interesting on many different levels. It's interesting on a human level. One, scientists are doing science during a war. Very interesting. Lots of people have fled Ukraine. Lots of, like, there's been a lot of reporting about how life has changed in Ukraine. You have these scientists who are going to their planetarium and looking up at the sky and, and seeing UFOs and writing a paper about it. That's very fascinating. I think that's newsworthy. It's also associated with the government, which, one, is it's reputable in that it's like when the government does something like when many governments do something, it's potentially newsworthy. It's like when the Kremlin does something that doesn't mean that it is true or real or accurate, but it is sort of like the official line that's coming out of the Russian government. Same with China, same with the United States, same with Ukraine. It's like there is a, there's an incentive for Ukraine, broadly speaking, to say things that will help Ukraine in its war effort and help Ukraine defend itself. Um, whether this UFO paper does that, I don't know. But you wrote in the article, and we've said multiple times, many times, that it's like the Pentagon keeps putting out papers and going on these little press junkets and stuff saying like UFOs, we need, we care a lot about UFOs. We need more funding to figure out what these are. These are some sort of threat to the United States. Um, the Pentagon has reported repeatedly said like, we need to worry about hypersonic missiles from Russia and hypersonic missiles from China. And we don't have hypersonic missiles and maybe they have something to do with UFOs. And it's like, well, Ukraine is at war with Russia. and I don't know what these UFOs are. It's like, as I said, it doesn't seem terribly sophisticated to me, but here they are claiming sort of the same thing that the Pentagon has been claiming. And so how does that fit in? It's hard to say, um, you know, we'll do more reporting on it. I think it's something that we're very interested in, but like, why do we write about it? We wrote about it because like an area of the world that we cover and a part on a beat that we cover, which is UFOs, put out a paper. No, it's not peer reviewed. We know it's not peer reviewed. I don't think it's great science because it does seem like pretty rudimentary. Um, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, like why did they do this? And we don't know right now. It's not terribly easy to get a lot of answers out of Ukraine. It's like, we've talked to a lot of people in Ukraine and you've done a great job reporting on them and talking to people about it, about what's going on there. But it's not like you can just like, get anyone in the country on the phone at any time and learn more about this at the same time. And I did reach out to the, the authors of the paper and I got a, a slightly terse response uh, and, a, and a no thank you, which, you know, 
when you live in a war zone that's like, that's in the middle of a counteroffensive against Russia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. It's, it's like whatever. And it's like, we're going to do more. We're going to do more on it. I don't, I mean, I'm not sure what the play is here or like what is going on here, but it's interesting. And so we wrote about it. That's all. Well, thank you for that. I think that's uh, a, a good response. Actually, I'm serious. Um, but we're going to, we're going to pause there for a break. If you're watching on the Twitch stream, we're going to be back instantly. If you are listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after these messages. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. I am on with Motherboard's editor-in-chief, Jason Kebler, and we are about to talk about, we really want to talk about today, the chess scandal that is rocking the world. What what is going on here? Uh, this is so wild. All right, so the headline for the first piece is the chess world is absolutely losing it over cheating allegations after a massive upset. What happened? Uh, yeah, so excited to get to no, this. So, so chess is really big on Twitch, and I, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about this in part. I mean, we certainly weren't the first people to write about this. Um, but we made a TikTok about it. Uh, Jules Roscoe, uh, who is our intern and has been on cyber before, made a TikTok about it, and it was our most popular TikTok ever. 11, 11 million people have seen it. So, perhaps maybe you have even seen the TikTok, but. Um, so there is a tournament called the Sinkfield Cup. I believe that's how you say it. Uh, and this happened in St. Louis last week. And this guy named Hans Niemann, uh, who is a grandmaster, but he's pretty young. I believe he's 19 or 21. He's pretty young. Um, was playing against Magnus Carlsen, who is rated the top player in the world. Uh, he's this guy from Norway. He hadn't lost a match in like 30 matches or something. Ma- many matches. I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. And Hans like kicked his ass. 53 in a row without a loss. Yeah. So Hans beat him. Uh, Hans beat him. And, you know, after that, Magnus Carlsen, who is this like huge celebrity in the world of chess? He's like a, the biggest name at the moment, you know, like uh, there, there have, I would argue that there have been more famous chess players like Gary Kasparov, I would say is probably the most famous chess player. Is this, is this correct to your knowledge? Yeah, I would think so. And I think Gary Kasparov takes like chess fame and then does something else with it too. Right. He, he, he went other places, but yeah, I think Kasparov is he like fought the big, big blue to the death. Exactly. He fought the computers to the death. Um, anyways. Um, so Magnus Carlsen, like big fucking deal. He lost and then he withdrew from the tournament and he posted a tweet that was just a video from the soccer manager, uh, Jose Mourinho, who is famously a hothead. 
Uh, and in that clip, it's like, quote, I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I am in big trouble and I don't want to be in big trouble. So then the chess world began dissecting like that cryptic tweet, which is not really that cryptic because I believe the context of the Jose Mourinho uh, thing was about cheating, perhaps. That's my knowledge. Um, and everyone was like, oh, well, if Hans beat Magnus, like he must have cheated. He must have cheated. And then everyone just so, like this becomes the topic in the chess world. And the chess well, world is well, very I also, big. Like, I also love real quick, uh, uh, like Neiman's response after this in an interview afterwards, quote, it must be embarrassing for the world champion to lose to an idiot like me. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hans is like a character for sure. Anyways. So um, this, this starts off like a firestorm in the chess world, which as I said, famously chess, quite a popular game has been around a long time. People take it very seriously. Um, what was the fucking show? Queens, Queens Gambit. Yes. Queens Gambit with Anna Taylor joy. Newly resurgent board game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Queen's Gambit, the board game. People take it very seriously. And so um, everyone started talking about this. And when I say everyone, it's like I went to the chess subreddit, like reddit.com slash r slash chess. And it was like 50 threads in a row were all about this. Like every single topic was about this. Um, and so people started speculating about like, how could he have cheated? Did he cheat? What what happened here? Like soon after Magnus Carlsen pulled out, um, the tournament organizers implemented like a 15 minute delay, um, which I don't quite understand how this works. But basically they implemented some sort of delay to check for electronic devices, basically to like check for cheaters. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like a big deal. Um, and then things got like even crazier from there. Right. So it's please correct me if I'm wrong in my reading of this. It's like everyone thinks this guy cheated. And everyone's dissecting all this video trying to figure out what it is and there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories about what he what what has been done here, including some very grotesque ones. I would say a lot of people think that he cheated, but but there's definitely a pro Hans contingent that was like Magnus Carlsen played a shit game and he lost. But like, I guess people thought that he cheated in part because Hans was uh, ranked so much lower. Like in chess, you get what's called an ELO score. I believe it's an ELO score. And that's like relative that, that basically like when you win a, a match, it takes into account the opponent's ELO score. And then it goes up and down based on whether you win or lose. And ELO, I think, was developed for chess, as far as I know it was, but now it's used in, like, online games. It's used in a lot of other things. It's yes. used in, like, various ladder matches and, and tournaments and things like this. Um, anyways, his, like, Hans's ELO score was, like, hundreds of points lower than Magnus, and, like, it's supposed to be a rating of, uh, you know, how good you are at chess, and they were like, well, this fucking idiot beat Hans... Uh, and by idiot, I'm using Hans's Hans's words there. Hans is very <laughs> Hans by any account is like extremely good at chess, but in the world of like high stakes, top level chess, it's like this was supposed to be a cakewalk. And I guess 
I mean, I guess I'm not a chess expert, but I would, I would guess it's like in sports, there are often like upsets. It's like, you know, Buster Douglas eat Mike Tyson is one of like the most famous upsets. And it's like in boxing, you can get lucky and, and happen to like punch someone in the face and knock them out in sports. Like people get hot and cold and so on and so forth. I think with something like chess, it's like, you'd expect the sort of best people to be more consistent, I guess is sort of the thinking here. Um, and so, yes, I would say like the vast majority of people are like Hans definitely cheated. But, uh, but how? Men- like that's, that's what yeah, I well, don't get. Then, yes. Okay. So, so it was an over the board game, which that is what it's, that's what we call regular chess. Now <laughs> there's just like a board, you move it, they call it over the board. And so people are like, how did he cheat? So here are the theories. Theory one is that someone in Magnus Carlsen's camp, they always call it a camp, but someone on like his team, I guess his posse, people who like fly around with Magnus. Your chess uh, flunkies, your pawns, if you will. Right. Your pawns, yes. uh, Leaked like the preparation to Hans. And like, so this would be similar to like a football coach leaking a playbook to an opponent or something. And so in chess, there's like obviously just zillions of different moves. But if you sort of know the moves that your opponent, the, the, the strategy that your opponent is likely to use, you can prepare for it and you can study up on it. And like people were thinking like maybe Hans somehow got this ahead of time and was studying it. That is theory one. That is like, probably the most likely theory if he did cheat like that seems plausible theory two less plausible way more interesting is hans used a shoe computer and a shoe computer is a computer that goes in your shoe uh that is connected to what's called a chess engine which long ago computers got way better than humans at playing chess they like the best computers will beat the best humans like sorry gary kasparov but it is the case now that computers will basically always beat humans um so the theory is that like a raspberry pi or small computer in this guy's shoe connected to i don't know like an earpiece or something vibrating on his leg uh sort of showing him like Here's what the computer says you should do. That is theory two. Theory three, which I think is a shit post and is a fake theory. However, perhaps the most viral theory and is very good is that it was a shoe computer connected to anal beads, vibrating anal beads that went into this guy's ass and vibrated him the moves, um, thus allowing him to evade detection. Uh, this was a theory that was raised on Reddit as what I believe was a shit post and then sort of like gained wider acceptance. Although I'm not sure how, I'm not really sure who took it seriously, but it was discussed on like Twitch streams from other grandmasters being like, yeah, this, this could be it. Like maybe that's it. And then Elon Musk was tweeting about it. So like, I don't know, that's definitely the best theory. Although uh, Hans denies that he cheated at all. And he has, as a coda here, he has been banned now from chess.com and he's been banned from chess.com before, correct? 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is the other big thing why people thought he was cheating, which is he's been caught cheating before in online chess. Um, it's obviously way easier to cheat online. Um, it's similar to cheating in a video game. It's like, you know, you have a computer and it tells you what to do. Um, and like several years ago, he was caught on chess.com, which is the biggest online chess playing platform. Um, and he was banned for a little while and then he was brought back. And Hans, basically Hans's argument was like, hey, I was young. I was really, really good at chess, but I didn't want to grind. Like that was pretty much his explanation for why he cheated years ago. 12 and 16, I believe are the ages of when he was caught. Yeah, he was basically like, I could beat all these people easily, but I didn't want to take the time to do so. And I wanted to get my rank up so that I could play with people who are more on my level. So I just like enabled a chess engine and beat the shit out of all these people until I was at a high enough rank that I turned the chess engine off and I kept playing, which I mean... It is an explanation. It's not a very good one. It's not an ethical one. It's not something that's going to fly. It's also, it's certainly not something that would like fly for a professional athlete. Like you couldn't say, oh, I was in the minor leagues of baseball and I knew I was too good for the minor leagues. So I did steroids until I hit the major leagues and then I stopped using steroids. Like it's pretty bad. Uh, And so when these allegations came up again, chess.com banned him again after this happened after the Hans um after he played against Magnus Carlsen and chess.com put out a statement saying like we have more evidence you know we we have reason to believe basically like we ha- we have more information than we've shared and and so he's banned and like now now Hans is striking back because Magnus Carlsen hasn't really said anything it's been like a week now and basically, Magnus Carlsen tweeted that uh, Jose Mourinho video, and there's been a couple pictures of him like drinking champagne in a nice looking room, like having a great time. But he hasn't really showed any sort of evidence that Hans cheated. He just was like, "Yeah, say what you want." That's um, the that's and- the part that's kind of fascinating to me here is that it seems like someone has evidence and they're just not share. I never expected like the professional chess world to be this weird and secretive about something like this. I would think like if you have pictures of the guy cheating and you can explain what happened, just show us, right? Just, right. just so show now there's an entire, yeah, there's an entire group of people who are like, okay, if he cheated, show us the evidence, explain how like put up or shut up. It's like, you know, Hans said something to this effect where he was like, this was my dream. This was like the, like, I'm so grateful I got to play at this level and I got to beat this guy. It's amazing. This is incredible. And like, now it's turned into a nightmare, of course, because it's like his name's getting run through the mud. Um, And it's like, I don't know. I have no idea if he cheated or not, but if he didn't cheat and this has happened, it's like, it's really sad and it sucks. Oh, one thing I did want to say, though, about the shoe computer is that someone just like a month ago uh, on their personal blog designed a shoe computer for che- for cheating at chess with the Raspberry Pi Zero, uh, put in a shoe and then used it to beat his friend like over and over again. And his friend had no idea he was cheating. So. Oh, and, and in that blog post, he was like, I'm going to use this to win the world championship of 
chess. So, I mean, that timing is very interesting. There's zero, zero, zero evidence to show that these are related in any way, shape, or form. But it's like that blog post went viral when this happened because when people were like, well, we have no idea how he cheated. How could he have possibly cheated? Someone was like, well, you could, he could have done this. I guess. Well, someday soon, um, everyone walking into a chess tournament will have to take off their shoes, just like we do at the airport. Dude, anal probes, though, as well. You have to. Do you want a clean search. game or not? You know, that's the price <laughs> yeah, we have to pay for integrity all, in chess. All chess must take place in the nude from now on. Right. They have um, Norton antivirus, first time chatter, bring something up. They've got metal detectors now at the tournaments, right? They installed those, I think, after. Or am I making something uh, up? I I think that they do, uh, but I I can't I can't say I'm familiar with security protocols at chess tournaments. Yes, after they did that, when they did the same thing as the delayed tournament, they also brought in more metal detection and RFID checks. Right, but this you, was a, this was after this match, right? right? This was not this is not something that's been in place for a long time, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll that'll do it, Jason. What do you say? I wish you have more to say. I feel like I got really worked up. So yeah, you did. You did. You did get worked up, but I think, you know, it just chess is makes us passionate. Chess and UFOs makes us very passionate. And Hey, hand in hand. If you're passionate about us, please follow us on Twitch where you can watch the live broadcasts of the show. Twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV. You'll get notifications when we go live. We are available where all fine pods are casted, and we will be back uh, very soon this week with a story about sim swapping, I believe. And Joseph Cox is going to come on and explain that all to us. Thank you, everybody, in the Twitch chat. Uh, It was a lively talk. Uh, Funny story about Louisiana. If you were there, uh, you know what I'm talking about. All right. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Yeah. 